Hey y'all, it's Bailey McBride from Major League Fishing's Lines In Podcast. In this episode, I sat down with MLF Pro Mike McClellan at the General Tire World Championship to discuss the stacked field at this event and fishing in Arkansas. Woo, big silly. Hope you enjoy the show. Mike, thanks so much for being here with me and for taking the time. You know, it's great to be here. And I mean, you mentioned Arkansas. I mean, you got to throw a shout out to, to the hogs and, and go hogs. I mean, growing up in Arkansas without any professional sporting teams at all in the state it's all about arkansas sports i mean you're a football fan you're a basketball fan i mean you keep up with track and field and i mean arkansas is a pretty special place i didn't actually attend the university in arkansas and uh but it, it's cool i mean i grew up in that era of barnhill arena and uh when when it was really exciting to be a hog fan not to say that it isn't now but uh back in the days of barnhill and and some of that stuff it was just really cool you know seeing the the coaches we've had come through there lou holtz and and some of the other great coaches we've had come through arkansas it's it's cool to be a a hog fan and it's cool to be uh, from that area yeah and as i was telling you before you know my family has been in arkansas for a long long time uh, my great grandmother and a bunch of my kinfolk cousins etc all live in marshall leslie area i went to school at the university of arkansas graduated um my degree from there, but it was there fortunately and able to work for athletics during the time that we had the Darren McFadden's of the world and everyone else. So mm-hmm. a really what what could have been a really great football uh, football dynasty there for a little while. So love love that area. And you're actually living in Bella Vista, which is just north of Fayetteville a little bit about 30 45 minutes I lived there for a year too so it's such a cool area for me being in the profession that I'm in the one thing that I've had to really be careful about is not getting into golf I mean Bella Vista (laughs) you know I mean there's 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 either five or I think it's five golf courses and fortunately there are seven community or property owner only excuse me owner lakes there in Bella Vista and uh, it, it really works out great for me. The lakes are full of fish. Mm-hmm. Um, I can generally go test about any bait that I'm in the process of designing and catch fish on them. So it, it's a really good testing uh, facility for me to have right there in my backyard. We've got a couple lakes that have really big fish. And uh, I guess when I decide to quit uh, fishing and retire, I'll pick up the game of golf. <laughs> well, you're in the perfect place for it being in Bella Vista, sure. uh, but also obviously close to a lot of other big lakes that we see across, you know, our events, other tours events, Beaver Lake, Table Rock. Um, you obviously had a big win out there just this past weekend. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, being growing up on Table Rock, being in Arkansas now, the the diversity that you get to see even just, you know, driving an hour or two from the, from where you live to all the different fisheries that you have access to and how that contributes to you as an angler. That's probably one of the reasons that I have had the successes I have as an angler, you know, growing up on Table Rock Lake when I did, uh, you know, back in the seventies, fishing on the lake wasn't anything like it is today. I mean, it was nowhere near as good. I mean, and I think, you know, that goes back to the fact that uh, the Game and Fish has done such a tremendous job managing our lakes in the recent years. You know, when, when I grew up on Table Rock, there either was no length limit or the length limit was 12 inches. And honest to goodness, the lake was being overfished. It was uh, a lot of fish were being taken out of the lake. The The spawns weren't well because the fish were never reaching the the length that they needed to be to to have good spawns so growing up there on table rock taught me to be 
an angler that had to be very versatile and had to understand you don't go out and catch 100 fish a day everywhere you go or maybe even 50. You know, it was one of those deals. If you went out on Table Rock and caught eight or 10 fish some days, that was a good day. So it, it taught me to be a very patient, uh, thorough, versatile angler, and, and it's been good. Now, on the other hand, just across the Oklahoma line, we have Grand Lake. Mm-hmm. Grand Lake was always that phenomenal lake, and that lake taught me more about really catching bass than probably Table Rock did. You know, having the ability to go go to Grand Lake and flip willow trees or you know, fish boat docks. There were so many more things that Grand Lake offered than what Table Rock did. And then I moved to Arkansas and I'm exposed to what we joke of as the Dead Sea, uh, Beaver Lake. Now, Beaver, on the (laughs) other hand, it's come around. I mean, there was a period of time where Beaver was horrible, but but it's actually the Game and Fish has done some things there the last few years. They stocked smallmouth a number of years ago. The lake has really come around uh, as well. So I live right in the middle of three really awesome lakes. And beaver is one of kind of the only large smallmouth fisheries that you have in Arkansas. Is that right? It really is. I mean, you know, bull shoals and beaver, which half of bull shoals does, you know, cross the line into Missouri. But uh, beaver is probably one of the better smallmouth fisheries in the state of Arkansas, especially in recent years. Uh, you know, when they first stocked the smallmouth, it took a little bit for them to take hold. Bull shoals has always been a pretty good smallmouth fishery. And there are smallmouth in in other Arkansas lakes, but beaver may be one of the most well-known smallmouth fisheries in the state now. Do you make it down to fish Darnell, to fish Wachita, to fish some of those other outstanding fisheries that are a little bit farther dry? I, you know, I, I don't so much in recent years. The big thing for me is once I started fishing full-time, you know, which it's crazy for me to think, but I've been on the road full-time fishing tournaments now for 20 years this is my 20th consecutive year of fishing full-time and I don't make those trips as often as I used to when I first started fishing though prior to becoming a full-time touring pro I spent a lot of time fishing those lakes you just mentioned Dardanelle, Washita, DeGray a number of those different lakes were stops on the regional circuits I fished so you know Dardanelle is a is a really awesome lake it's uh it offers a lot different fishing than the northern part of the state because you have you know it's that river environment you have vegetation in the lake or in the Lake Dardanelle you have lily pads you have reeds you have so many different things that we don't have on those uh lakes like Grand and Table Rock and, and Beaver and Bull Shoals so that was a lake that actually probably helped bring me along as far as vegetation fishing and some of the variety of things that I needed to learn to do. And then you talk about Washita. Washita has deep hydrilla. You know, so I've been exposed to a little bit of all that in my early years of fishing, which has allowed me to get out here and fish, you know, all across the country and have some success. Yeah, and speaking of that, obviously, um, elites were out on Okeechobee last weekend, I guess, or two weekends ago, I guess it was. Um, We're here in East Texas fishing the General Tire World Championship. Um, You were able to fish a day yesterday. You've got another day coming up. Um, How do you kind of take that knowledge that you have from these other bodies of water, or even if you've fished Rayburn or Toledo Bend or some of the other bodies of water around here, how do you take that knowledge and then when you think, okay, I know where I'm staying. I didn't, when you come in, into it, you didn't know which lake you'd be on. Um, but how do you take that knowledge, knowledge initially, bring it in and, and tie on the right things? And then now that you've had one day on the water, how do you make those adjustments necessary to come out and have a big day tomorrow? The biggest thing there is being in the zone, I think. And uh, probably the best thing that happened was being at Okeechobee a week or two ago. Table Rock was of no help. Even though I won the event last week, it's of no help for what I'm doing here. 
It did but, help a little bit for you. Well, probably, momentum. You know, but... now, now, I take that back. The the, the momentum and the uh, the confidence coming into the, this event is definitely, you know, flowing from Table Rock. Anytime you come off of a win like that, I mean, you're you're confident. You feel like anything you do is going to work. But being at Okeechobee, and it was disappointing. I missed the check. I was the first one out of the money at Okeechobee. Missed the check by four ounces. And on day one, I catch a 7-8 that spits up a crappie in my live well that weighs at least eight or ten ounces. So, I I felt like I just got absolutely throttled at Okeechobee, but I caught a lot of fish at Okeechobee the way I caught fish here yesterday. I caught them swimming a jig. I caught them throwing a chatterbait. So I was in the zone of throwing those styles of baits. You know, yesterday I even tied on a spinnerbait and had a lot of success throwing a spinnerbait here. And those are the kind of things that you do. I threw a spinnerbait some at Okeechobee. It wasn't necessarily a bait that played, but it was definitely a bait that I'd been throwing recently. So when you come to East Texas, I mean, in my mind, you know, you try not to formulate where you think you're going to go. But in my mind, I just kept thinking in reference to where they said we were staying. I mean, I've traveled through Texas enough to know, man, we're close to, to Sam Rayburn. We're close to Toledo Bend. Mm-hmm. I bet we're going to one of those. Now, Toledo Bend was off limits already because of the elite. Mm-hmm. So you could rule it out. But I really thought we would probably be fishing Rayburn. And just the experience you have in Texas it gives you that opportunity to tie the right baits on to kind of know what should and shouldn't be a player. And you can eliminate a lot of stuff knowing the fact that you're going to be around big fish. Anytime you come to Texas due to the, the weather conditions, the environment here, these fish grow bigger, they grow faster. Mm -hmm. There's generally a lot of big fish in Texas. So you can, you, you know, you've got to look at something that's going to give you that opportunity to catch big ones. And, I feel like that benefited me yesterday because I caught less fish than I think anybody. But as far as my average, I think I was pretty well on track for having one of the better averages, maybe until Hackney started blowing it up at the end of the day. But, you know, I went to fish for big ones. And, you know, hopefully that will pan out and work well for me on day two of the the elimination round. Well, it certainly worked well for you yesterday. You had the biggest fish of the day, six pounds, three ounces. Um... How do you kind of continue to to target those big fish and take what you learned and what, you know, you had success on catching that fish into, you know, what you're going to do tomorrow? Probably the biggest thing there is I feel like I formulated somewhat of a pattern and, and I don't know that I even figured out for certain. I did figure out in my mind that the fish aren't directly spawning mm-hmm. and the only equation that maybe I didn't put together yesterday was the big ones I caught, were they pre-spawn or were they post-spawn fish that have already fed back up? They were healthy. Mm -hmm. They didn't have big bulging guts to make me say, oh, that fish is getting ready to spawn, but it still could be a pre-spawn fish. And where the fish were set up gives me that thought that if I just figure out the right bait to present to those fish, there's a good chance that I can keep that big fish bite going. Well, you were a great example of this yesterday that a lot of the time in our cup events, because we fish in the fall, because we fish, you know, a lot of northern lakes, a lot of smallmouth lakes, um, that sometimes it can be a bit of like a nickel and dime, one pounder, one pounder, a numbers game, uh, just because of the nature of when and how we fish. But, you know, yesterday you caught a six pound fish and you go can go from the bottom to the top. You know, easily you could catch a fish tomorrow that could be five pounds, 10 pounds. I mean, 
15 pounds perhaps <laughs> perhaps you know and and could rocket you up to to first place so how does that change your mentality going into it you know compared to a normal cup event knowing that one fish could make make up a couple of positions you know on the leaderboard that is the, the really key thing and that was really key for me yesterday to catch that big one right off the bat it actually could have worked against me though a little bit too because once everybody else saw that early in the day, okay, the lake's got big ones. Mm -hmm. You know, some lakes you go to and that we've gone to on Major League Fishing, they just don't have a lot of big ones in it because of the time of year that we fished. It may not be that they're not there. It's just the time of year we fish. Fishing in the spring, the big ones are going to show up. Mm -hmm. And catching that fish so early yesterday puts the other five anglers into that mode of maybe not trying to nickel and dime it. You know, there were probably some guys that started with some finesse type stuff, you know, wacky worms. And, and I'm just throwing things out there that I assumed guys would be doing, right. you know, possibly throwing shaky heads around docks and various things. And once the day progressed, about everyone caught a good one or two. I mean, you look at how it went down. I caught the first two big ones and maybe the only two big ones in the first period. But the second period, you know, I think Creek catches a big one. Gary Klein catches a big one or two. Um, and then it just started rolling. You know, Hackney freaking blows it up the last period catching big ones. So I think everybody changed their strategy a little bit based on the fact that they saw those big ones show up early that I caught and everybody started getting dialed into it as the day went on. What role do you think the conditions have to play in this situation? You know, we talked about the fish being a little ambiguous and where they might be in the spawn, whether they're pre-spawn or they're spawning currently. It's been raining all weekend. It's raining today. It's supposed to be sunny tomorrow. And there's a full moon this week. So how does that affect what, you, you know, what the fish are going to be doing? That is going to be the key tomorrow or the next day when the sun does completely come out. You know, typically this time of year with the full moon coming, even if these fish are wanting to spawn, mm -hmm. they're not going to get on the bed and stay on the bed if it's cloudy and rainy and windy like it was yesterday. If we all of a sudden show up at that lake tomorrow and the sun's shining and it's glass slick, you might see guys all of a sudden start seeing some of these fish show up on beds. In my mind, I'm hoping it doesn't happen, you know, because I saw enough places yesterday that if they do decide to spawn, the guys that are good at sight fishing are probably going to catch some giants. I'm not the greatest sight fisherman in the world. Crete was joking yesterday. I, I kind of tried to play it off yesterday. Like, you know, somebody's like, man, you caught a couple big ones. And I was like, yeah, they were really tough to see. You know, I just kind of threw it out there that, yeah. you know, could he be sight fishing? And uh, it scares me now, though, with the conditions, maybe doing what they're going to do the next couple of days. Hopefully the wind will blow because that generally takes away from that sight fisherman's advantage. But these fish really could show up. I mean, there may be a whole nother wave just sitting there waiting to show up to spawn. And if the sun gets out, they're going to show up in, in, in big time numbers. Well, I know you might not be having far, but we're definitely interested to see what's going to happen because it's going to make for some great television for our viewers and for our listeners that are listening now. Um, I want to get to one thing you just mentioned, you know, talking about Jeff Cree. You guys are obviously friends. Um, there's a lot of, you know, outstanding guys in the 12 guys that are here. Um, and I just have to say, it's so nice being able to be here as a, a member of the MLF staff, seeing the, you know, the friendships, the teamwork, the kind of behind the scenes that I think maybe you guys don't always get to enjoy it when you're at other tournament trail events, just because you stay out on your own, then you're fishing and then they're, they're your enemy in the moment. Uh, 
but you guys are just so congenial might be the word. I mean, but you, you've got real positivity here and, and towards each other. At, at a minimum, at least, you have respect for one another. So can you just kind of talk about that that feel and, and what it's like being here with these 11 other guys? It, it's really pretty interesting when you say the things that you said due to the fact that we are here at a Major League Fishing event. Everybody wants to win one of these just as bad as we want to win an Elite Series, an FLW, whatever circuits we're competing in. We are all a little more laid back at a Major League Fishing event. I mean, the thing that's different about Major League Fishing is just simply the fact that we know when we show up, we're making some money. A lot of these events we go to, you pay an entry fee, and if you don't catch them, you don't get paid. You know, we know we're getting paid something to do these deals. So it takes a little bit of the burden off. The other thing about it is, though, and, and something you mentioned that I don't know if you see from the, the backside, we can't talk to each other about what we did during the course of the day here at a Major League Fishing event, whereas on the Elite Series, Jeff Crete and I might talk every day a couple times a day and compare notes on how we're catching them. Yeah. I know at this event, for me to accomplish my goal, I can't give Creed any hints, and he knows he can't give me any hints of what he did. Right. I want to beat him worse in this event than I want to beat him in an elite event just due to the fact, and not just Jeff, but everybody, you know, yeah. all the anglers, because of the fact that, you know, there's only so many of these a year. Right. I mean, I've been very blessed throughout the course of my career to have some elite wins and, and open wins and invitational wins, but I want to win a major league fishing title. And you don't talk about your fishing styles. In fact, you try to confuse people when you're at one of these deals. Yeah. Hackney said it two or three times. He's like, man, I just can't figure out where you're at today. He said, you still got 12 rods on the deck. Yeah. Well, I was only using two or three of those 12, but I knew if I put all the other ones up, then all of a sudden, everybody knows that after me leading two periods, he's throwing this and this and this. So there's more strategy that goes into one of these major league fishing events. Even though we all get along, we're all professionals. And and I think the thing about it is, is you know, people think that major league fishing is all about, you know, a little bit of conflict, a little bit of, you know, we're fishing small zones or small lakes. You know, guys are going to get on top of one another. I may run around the lake and try to see what a guy's doing, but I'm not going to pull up in front of him. I'm not going to cut him off. Right. The respect that you see here at Major League Fishing, in my mind, is even better than anything else we see on any of the other circuits. Now, there's going to be occasions where guys fish down the same bank and possibly run into one another or meet. That's going to happen, but I'm not intentionally going to try to cut a guy off at a Major League Fishing event, and I'm not going to do it in any other event, but you do see it happen. Yeah, and I guess maybe what you just mentioned, you know, that you can't talk about the competition. You can't talk about where you think you're going to go and things like that. Maybe that's why we see the friendly side of you guys. Cause it is all kind of joking around and it really know, is. Yeah. You know, Oh, Hey, when I did this, you know, even, you know, tying on extra rods at it at the period break to try to confuse people, you know, and, and then them still having the lingering questions of, Oh, what was he doing? You know, even in Hackney's press conference yesterday, he mentioned that you were still, you had all these rods out there. So he had no idea what you were doing, you know? <laughs> so whatever you did out there worked on him. Um, it, it did for the first two periods, but come period three, Hackney dialed it in. And, you know, that's the whole thing about the group of anglers that are fishing major league fishing is, these guys are the best of the best. And, and, you know, I feel fortunate to be a part of this group and, and to be competing and especially to be here at the Major League Fishing World Championship. I mean, I had to fight and kick last season to make sure I made the top 12 mm -hmm. and to actually 
get here and be fishing against, in my opinion, you know, 12 of the best anglers that have ever fished in the world. I mean, just look at who we got here. Kevin Van Dam, you know, multiple classic winner. Edwin Evers, Greg Hackney, Angler of the Year. You know, the the titles these guys hold is incredible. I've won a few events, but, uh, you know, I can't claim to be a classic winner, an AOI winner, and uh, it feels pretty awesome to be competing against these guys. Well, I mean, you just won this event last weekend that you yeah, maybe, maybe this could be the start of the meteoric rise that you're going to have for the year, you know? You like I know. said earlier, I mean, I want to win a major league fishing title probably as much as I want to win a classic or win a, an AOI at this point in my career. And that's awesome. So we hope that the fans that are going to be listening to this, that are going to be watching on CBS are going to, you know, feel the energy that we all have here, that we are feeling from the anglers and uh, definitely the passion and the hunger for that title. So I think you're definitely going to see it. I mean, I, I had a, a, a little case yesterday. I'd fished so clean all day. I hadn't lost anything. I'd landed the fish well. I'd Everything was going great. And 10 minutes in the last period remaining and I mean I hook a three pounder and, and I'm not blaming it on anything but the camera guy was changing batteries mm -hmm. and I'm trying to swing the boat you know he's trying to get the camera I'm not saying it affected my landing the fish but I changed my just the momentum I had going because I knew the camera was down when we're at a major league fishing event the fans are going to see everything that happens I tried to swing a three and a half, three and a quarter pound fish in the boat. It came off. And I mean, I took a nosedive trying to chase the fish down. I mean, there wasn't any way I was going to catch it. But I mean, I would literally dove from one side of the boat to the other trying to catch this fish. And uh, you see the good, the bad, the, the, the emotion that we go through. I mean, I didn't lose it, but... You know, I, 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 I was pretty dang upset. That's all there is to it. Well, you're better than me because I probably would have <laughs> lost it. So <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Um, obviously, you have a 1 in 12 chance of being the world champion, and that's a really exciting place to be in. And so, you know, best of luck to you with that. And thanks for taking the time today. Definitely appreciate it, Bailey. All right. Thanks.